it's more or less a gut feeling. If you're on the verge of thinking of letting a client go, it's been building. It's been building for a long time. It's been months. It's possibly been years. And by that point in time, you know, you, you know it's probably not a good fit. It's something that you know needs to be done. Welcome to Beyond the Portfolio, the podcast where we talk with RIAs about the unique roles they take on while running their business. I'm your host, Jim Edward. Today, I'm joined by Sheena Hansen, CFP and CCO of Uncommon Sense Investing in Janesville, Wisconsin, to talk about what happens when a client advisor relationship just isn't working out and it's time to let a client go. Being prepared to navigate those conversations can help the breakup go smoothly for you and for your client. Thanks for joining me today, Sheena. Thank you, Jim. To get things started, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into financial advising? Sure. Well, Jim, my story really started at a very young age. Similar to many people who enter the business, I did so through an introduction through my father. So growing up, just sitting at the dining room table, you know, I I would see him carry on his day working with clients and really becoming an investment expert himself. So I was exposed to investment management and money very early on. And, you know, he's been a big mentor of mine. And just going through high school and college, I've always had an interest in finance. And so it was a pretty, pretty natural path for me. Although I'm sure you know, with anything that you do, especially a career, when you're in school and studying and learning about all these different financial things, it's very different than actually being in practice and client facing. So it's been an interesting ride. Of course, I didn't really know exactly what I was getting myself into, but I'm very pleased and love what I do. So I consider that a a big win. Nice. Definitely. Is your dad still involved in the business? He is, yes. He he loves what he does. He's very passionate about our clients and investing in general. So his ideal retirement years are not to retire and continue working as long as possible. And so, you know, I benefit from that just because we have a pretty good teamwork dynamic and our clients appreciate having uh, multiple professionals to go to. Tell me a little more about your father. Are you guys similar? What dynamic? does that family business bring to the table for clients? So my father and I do work as a, a team and, in my opinion, a, a pretty good team. We're alike in a lot of ways in that we're pretty type A. We are business-minded. We work hard. You know, so I, I think some of those personality characteristics are pretty similar, but we're also very different. We're very different, which is a great thing for our firm because we're able to not step on each other's toes in different ways. You know, I'm the chief compliance officer, and so I'm very detail-oriented that way. I'm able to do the compliance in which he wants absolutely nothing to do with. So that really works out that we can really just do our own thing within our firm, but yet we complement each other. I think our clients really benefit from having us work as a team because we are different. We've got different personalities and we bring different levels of expertise to the table. I mean, my dad's an investment whiz. He really could read Barron's and Forbes and, you know, watch the ticker tape literally all day long and just love every second of it. So that attention to detail to money and investments and portfolio management really pays off. 
particularly when we're in a client meeting, maybe for a husband and wife couple, our communication styles are different. So that really pays off. You know, I can remember multiple times where my dad might be talking high level to one person who is understanding and following and I'm able to observe that, okay, we're we're definitely losing that other person. It's over their head. We've got to bring the conversation down. You know, I really try to simplify conversations when he's talking over and above. But then, you know, we've got our age differential that really helps as well. I'm 35 and he's in his 70s. And so he can really talk to retirees and pre-retirees from a place where he's been there. And so, you know, that age differential and even the gender differential, it just really works out where we can really work together in so many different ways that it can be effective with most people. That's great. To build on that, can you tell me a little about your office life? And the culture there? Our culture is a great one, in my opinion. It's pretty family-oriented between my dad and I, setting the tone within our office. Because of the fact we only have three other associates, it's a team of five. So we work closely together, each of us, in different ways. And we're constantly wearing many different hats. And it's more of a, a low-key environment, I would say. We're, we're very professional, but, you know, I'll bring my dog to work just to kind of make things very friendly. Our office is located in the Midwest. We're in Wisconsin, and so it has that Midwest vibe to it. Very welcoming. I have to imagine that having that collaborative environment in the practice comes in handy when working with clients. Do you ever bounce ideas off each other or bring it to the larger group if you're having uncertainty around a client relationship? Yes, we have a lot of open dialogue in our office. Um, We talk about everything. And normally if there's a client that's causing problems for me, they're causing problems for other people as well. I like to get the opinions from the other people in our office that are also working with these clients to validate where our heads are at as well. So, you know, the team's input on that is very, very important. In fact, sometimes they'll bring up someone or an incident to me. And so their experience might be different than mine. But, you know, by sharing those experiences with different clients really ultimately aids in a decision if we need to let someone go. Yeah, that makes sense. Most advisors imagine canvassing for new clients. Did you imagine a day where you'd have to fire one? No, I I really didn't. First entering out into the industry, I definitely had boots on the ground at one point, cold calling and networking and, you know, really putting myself out there to try to get our name known, our expertise and our services known. And at that point in time, you bring on almost any client that you can, anyone that you can help anyways. And so, you know, to be on the back end of that is really gratifying. You know, hard work pays off. And to be able to sometimes select the people that you work with or even let go people who turn out not to be a good fit is just a very interesting place to be. Um, But, you know, then you get to the point where you're really analyzing your business as a business and not just a startup where you're just trying to pay the bills, you know, then you're really just trying to make it as efficient as possible. And so when you have clients that are sometimes affecting your culture and even your time management skills and impacting your business in a negative way, you've got to make note of that and take action. Yeah, for sure. There are certainly stigmas 
that come with firing a client or breaking up with a client, and bad news travels faster than good. Can you talk about how you prepare for those conversations and how you try to maintain a positive work environment? Yeah, you know, I think a positive work environment is really important, and I think positive branding is very important. Your brand is everything. And nowadays, with social media and just ultimate transparency of business, it's more important than ever to try to maintain that positive image because you're right, Jim, bad news travels faster than good a lot of times. And so, you know, ending a relationship is not a positive thing. And so you want to be able to tread lightly when necessary, depending on the situation and the client. But you really want to still try to end on a good note. You know, I know the few circumstances that we have had to let go of some relationships. I really put thought into that conversation and how I wanted to approach it and what items I wanted to hit on as to why I felt the relationship wouldn't or isn't going to be a good fit. And so, you know, you want that person to walk away still feeling good and positive versus negative and, oh, now I'm going to spread the word to my neighbor that uncommon sense investing, you know, gets rid of some of their clients or they'll go on social media and write a bad review. You know, I think that's a big fear of advisors nowadays. Absolutely. Social media has a huge impact on how all industries do business. We are closer to our clients more than ever. Now, having come up in your career learning from your father, is there a time you recall when he had to let a client go that you were able to learn from? I do remember, <laughs> and I'm laughing just because, uh, well, my, my dad's at the point in his career where he's rather unfiltered in some ways. And I, I remember one circumstance in particular where there was a client, and in this instant, it was a very high-maintenance client. This person would call almost daily about anything and everything. You know, it might be a dividend that he saw on his statement and he didn't know that that was being paid out or different tax documents and very specific questions. And this particular client also had some rather interesting assets that was a transition of assets from another financial advisor to our firm that were very difficult to transfer. And it was a very nitpicky process. And I don't know, sometimes when it rains, it pours. But with this client, it was just one thing after the other and nothing was easy. And so he decided this was someone that needed to be let go. And he was just quite frank with them. I remember the conversation and it was just, you know, John Doe, I can't do this anymore. You know, it, it, you're taking away my time from other clients and you call all the time. You know, your questions are above and beyond sometimes what I can even answer. And I don't think this is a good fit. You know, sometimes honesty is the best answer. And he was point blank honest. Not so much. It's not you. It's me. It's no, it's definitely you. It's definitely you. <laughs> <laughs> In an industry that's becoming increasingly competitive, it's important to make sure your clients have a positive experience. But how can you elevate it? Visit TDAI.com and click on Insights to get tips for elevating the client experience. So, outside of something as blatant as taking your time from other clients, are there other signals you look for when talking to a prospect? How can you tell if someone will make a good client or not? There are definitely signals when it comes to someone's 
capacity to be a good client or a not so good client. And sometimes those signals are accurate and sometimes they're not, which makes it difficult. But the big things that I see when it comes to a successful relationship, or in this case, not, the biggest indicators are someone who really focuses on short-term performance. We're in the business of making people money, depending on their risk, their objectives, their goals. And it seems like most people really want to have all of the market upside return with no risk. But of course, we know that that's not possible. And so for someone who in a conversation is really focused on short-term performance, or maybe they make mention of, well, I had another financial advisor and you know, I worked with them for X amount of years and they only made me this amount of money. You know, If they're very overly focused on, on that performance, I tend to kind of try to probe a little bit more and ask other questions to get them to divulge more information about their performance expectations. So that's one. And then another one is their level of sophistication and their desire to possibly be involved in the money management. We have a pretty disciplined approach to managing money, and we communicate that clearly. But you know, every once in a while, we do have people who want us to research individual stock positions. You know, do they fit into the portfolio? And you know, once in a while, we have no problem with that. You know, certainly it's your money. We're happy to put in an investment that, in particular, that you request. But it becomes difficult if it's a frequent thing. You know, if they want to become a co-manager of their portfolio, then it becomes difficult for us to do our jobs with that outside influence. So that's another one, that co-management. So naturally, you've dealt with this enough times. It seems that you're able to take steps to set expectations for how these relationships go forward. Yeah? Oh, yes. Yes. We are big on setting expectations in regard to portfolio management, in regard to communication. How often should you expect to hear from us, meet from us? Setting expectations is just a big hedge against you know someone possibly coming back to you and saying, well, you didn't tell me this. Mm-hmm. What other red flags do you look for? Another thing I, I like to be aware of is body language, you know, the nonverbals that a prospect or a client might have when we're communicating. You know, I think this is more so for prospects, but it could be for current clients as well, you know, especially if you're in a face to face meeting and you're having a conversation about their portfolio or, you know, money they might have or some of their financial goals and they're thinking about coming on board as a client. One thing that I, and I kind of am recalling, someone in particular who they were a prospect and we got into the portion of the meeting where we were asking them questions about their financial situation, very basic things, you know, income, assets, debt, do you have an estate plan? And they they were very hesitant to answer a lot of the questions. You know, the nonverbal part was more leaning back in their chair, arms crossed, kind of looking around the room not engaged. And so, you know, that just really forces me to try to communicate them even further that, you know, we need to have this information if we're going to be able to help you. And so, you know, engaging clients are really good clients to have. And those that aren't interested, it's hard to help someone who isn't interested. You know, you kind of question, well, why are you here if you're trying to hide information? And so, you know, those nonverbal signs are something that I try to pick up on. And then, you know, another person, this is a little um, out there, but I was in another prospect meeting and through part of the meeting, he had winked at me a couple of times. It's unbelievable. 
And so, you know, that already set the stage for what I would consider a not professional relationship. And I would think so. Yeah, that's also not a, it's not you, it's me. That's definitely, that's you, man. You can't be doing that. That was just crossing the line in many different ways. And I, I think that's very rare that you would have a meeting that way. But that was a time where the signals were very obvious. This is not working. That's unbelievable. So that was with a prospect. I'm curious, how do you assess the ongoing relationships with clients to make sure it's still working? I think with the relationships where you feel like it's not working or for some reason there's a type of strain, it's, it's more or less a gut feeling. If you're on the verge of thinking of letting a client go, it's been building. It's been building for a long time. It's been months. It's possibly been years. And by that point in time, you know, you, you know it's probably not a good fit. Most clients that maybe are not your ideal client, but they're still really good clients, it's very rare that we fire clients. I think that's true for most advisory offices. It's really got to get to the point where it's affecting the culture, it's affecting your workday. You know, maybe there's someone who just introduces a lot of stress into the work life. And so I feel like it's not really something that you evaluate. It's something that you know needs to be done. I think that's a good point that you make about it not being a common thing. Exactly. It's very rare. And it's a hard thing to do. I think that's what makes it a, a talking point for the podcast is because it's it's a hard thing. On that note, can you talk to me about the first time you had to break up with a client? That had to be difficult. For me, I, I was pretty fresh into my career. I mean, I've been in the finance world for a long time, but I wasn't client facing that much. And so it was a tough conversation to have just because, you know, I didn't have that seniority that ideally I would have liked to have. I think just because of the nature of our business and that we really operate as a firm and my father and I act as a team, it still was a conversation that was pretty well received. And I thought about it for a while. And discussed it with everyone in our office, the associates, my father, the other lead advisor in our office. And, you know, certainly there was a consensus that, yeah, we need to let this person go. And so we did just that. It wasn't an easy conversation to have, but I tried to turn around the conversation in this particular circumstance that it was a combination of things that made this relationship not a good fit. And so I tried to tread lightly with why we were letting that person go, but they understood and they knew why. So it actually wasn't a terrible conversation at the end of the day. It was just something that had to be thought through and done. And so I tried to be helpful with this person. This is someone who was pretty sophisticated in terms of money and investments. And so I told this client that, you know, you are someone that I feel like could probably manage their own investments. And so I'm happy to help you, you know, move your accounts, you know, we'll be more than accommodating and, and making this process easy for you. You don't have to pay our fees anymore. And so I tried to turn it around as best that I could. What were some of the things that stood out to you? I mean, this is the first time you were going through this. So what were the the sort of red flags, warning signs, whatever you want to call them, that made you realize, oh, this might not be working? Well, for this person, um, 
we're long-term money managers. You know, the clients that we deal with for the most part are pre-retirees, retirees. It's money that's going to be in the market for many years, many decades. And this person just didn't really fit into that mold. Very short-term in nature, speculative, always wanting to trade. Our firm is also discretionary in nature. Most of our portfolios are discretionary, and we're not calling our clients and asking permission or making suggestion for trades. But this person really wanted to continue to place trades and manage their own money. And so, you know, it, it really made it difficult when they were calling all the time and asking about certain securities and questioning certain management tactics. And it just became too much. You know, is their personality almost that was getting in the way because they were just really looking to get in on short-term performance and, and looking at the next hot investment. And that's just, at the end of the day, that's just not what we do. And you know, luckily, we're able to help so many people and so many families for long-term financial planning. But the fact that we weren't able to provide this service that they were looking for, it, it wasn't a good fit overall. And so the understanding certainly was there that you know we really weren't providing the services that this person even needed. And so at least they were able to see that and understand that it probably was better to go separate ways. Did they uh, sort of put up a fight? You know, no, don't let me go. A little bit, you know, because conversations that we've had through the years have been good ones. And, you know, I, I do respect this person. And so there was a little bit of pushback. But in the end, you know, we agreed to partying. What were your emotions like going through this experience? nervous at first, you know, very nervous. Because again, you know, you hate to let someone go, you hate to put a negative spin on relationships and not being able to help someone, even though it's best for your firm. But as the conversation got going, I got a little bit more comfortable. You know, I really thought through the justification as to why we needed to fire the client. And, you know, because I, I tried to strategically go about it in a lighter way, and in some ways, putting the onus on the firm, you know, it, it is a little bit our fault why this isn't working out, but it's also a little bit your fault why it's not working out. So my nerves definitely calmed down a little bit in the middle of the conversation, and especially because it did go well. You know, luckily it didn't blow up. I imagine there are stories where an advisor would let go of a client, hopefully not turning into a screaming session, but that was not the case. And then afterwards certainly felt a little bit lighter, you know, that weight off the shoulders and knowing that the right decision was made. And in the end, it was. Yeah, for sure. You had to step out of your comfort zone a little bit to do this. But in the end, has seeing that you were able to do this successfully given you the confidence to go forward? Not necessarily to fire all these clients, but just knowing that you can trust yourself, trust your gut, that has to give you a bit more confidence in the future. Yeah, I think you're right about that, Jim. You know, if anything, it's a big learning experience in prospecting. Trying to prospect and be aware of those red flags even more, you know, taking note of why a relationship didn't work and try to watch out for it. Certainly, you're not going to catch it every time. And, you know, in an industry like ours where, you know, we're dealing with money. And if you've got someone who's high net worth and they've got a lot of money that you're managing, they're paying you quite a bit. And so, you know, you look at the revenue side of it as well sometimes when you've got a client that isn't necessarily working out. And so, you know, then you're forced to put yourself in the position, okay, like like literally dollars and cents is this worth it? 
you know, you can't be all things to all people. And so that's why, you know, I, I think this is more part of business planning, you know, having a, some business plan, whether it be written or not, have an idea of what you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to set that aside and think to yourself, okay, I'm not going to take this personally if a relationship doesn't work out, but just knowing that, well, not all relationships work out. And, you know, sometimes it's not your fault. Sometimes it is. But that's true of client-advisor relationships. It's people. And so, you know, we are very much in a relationship business. And, you know, there's the professional side to it as well. But some people click more than others. And if there's a client that has attributes or just certain things that don't mesh with the firm, then I think you just cut the losses and not necessarily beat yourself up about it, but just know that it's not really unique to our business. It's every business has an ideal client and trying to fit into a certain niche and people they want to work with and people that they want to serve. And so just being aware of what that is, is huge. When you have a client who's showing some of these concerns, do you approach the relationship differently? Do you start to have conversations like, hey, this isn't working for this reason? How does the conversation turn or shift when you're trying to get people on the right track again? Yeah, I would say that I really try to navigate the relationship as best as possible because really our clients can be trained in different ways. You know, earlier I had mentioned that there's a few main reasons why someone becomes a client that might be considered someone that you would want to unload. And that can be handled to some extent. For example, the clients who might be high maintenance, maybe they're calling all the time. But if you don't say anything, if you don't bring that up to them, maybe they don't know they shouldn't be calling multiple times a week. You know, maybe they don't know that there's different ways to communicate or how you prefer to be communicated with. So there are ways to navigate it as best as possible. And same with, you know, someone who wants to try to really interject on the portfolio management, you know, really just throwing it out there, you know, hey, you know, we're happy if you make a suggestion on your portfolio, but normally, you know, we're the ones that do all the trading, we manage the money. If you have an idea, we're happy to look at it, but, you know, that's an infrequent thing, not a frequent thing. And so, you know, I think just addressing the elephant in the room, you know, people don't necessarily know how you want to work with them as a client. That's where it comes back to setting expectations. That's so important. You can't expect someone to follow the rules if they never learned them. So in more recent times, when you've had clients that are showing similar warning signs, at what point do you stop letting it go on and initiate the conversation? Hey, this needs to change. Yeah, you bring up a good point with that, Jim, because, uh, you know, the, the first couple of times are definitely a learning experience and you try to shorten the duration of the pain as much as you can. But I think we try to address concerns more as soon as we can versus letting them go. Just being more transparent in the client advisor relationship. And if there's behavior that a client is starting to show or if there's things with the relationship that just aren't working out, just really trying to navigate that as best as possible. And being honest, you know, hey, you know, addressing that behavior and not just kind of like shoving it under the rug like it's not happening. So that was a big learning point and at least addressing what the problem is versus just letting it go and go and go and go. And then, okay, this really isn't working. Now this client's behavior really is never going to change. Yeah, for sure. One thing I wanted to touch on, is there any advice you'd offer to other advisors who are in a situation where they're considering cutting ties with a client. 
you know, sometimes you just have to dive into the pool. <laughs> um, you know, it, it doesn't feel good. It's not a fun experience. But, you know, once you do it, you feel a lot better. So, you know, I, I think it's just like anything. If there's a goal that you want to achieve or something that in your business practice that you know needs to be done, think it through. Write down and plan how you want that conversation to go. Create a pros and cons list. Why would I want to keep this client? You know, how would our firm be better without this client? And, you know, by really giving a thorough evaluation, I think that builds confidence in why you're, you could be letting someone go. And so, you know, really going through that initial thought process and just kind of eating that frog when the time comes, you know, it's just hindsight is twenty twenty. And if you're having that gut feeling that there are certain people who aren't a good fit with the practice, go after it. Thank you for sharing that, Sheena. And thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Jim. Knowing your ideal client is just part of determining whether a client advisor relationship is worth it. As we've learned today, setting expectations and good communication are key for building a foundation that lasts. This has been Beyond the Portfolio, and we've been speaking with Sheena Hansen, CFP and CCO of Uncommon Sense Investing. Join us next week when we'll talk about how technology can elevate the client experience with our guest Alyssa McNamara-Reed, CCO of McNamara Financial Services. Like this episode of Beyond the Portfolio? Leave us a review and rating. And hit subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes.